Well, hey, thanks, Lynn. Hey, welcome everybody again to Blackhawk Church at your home. We are so glad that you are joining us right now. And regardless if you call Blackhawk downtown your home or Blackhawk Fitchburg your home or Blackhawk Brader Way, we are all together in your home right now having a chance to be able to worship together. And if you're new around Blackhawk, my name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I am a part of the the teaching team and uh, it's just good to get a chance to be able to be together. So uh, one thing, I don't know if you know about me, but uh, (laughs) I kind of love bread. Bread actually is, uh, is one of my favorite things. And um, you know how um, wherever it is that you live, you kind of fall in love with particular food you know, from the city that you're in or the county that you're in that you can get your hands on locally? Well, one of my favorites is, um, is Stella's spicy cheese bread. If you, have you ever had this stuff? Anyone, if, if you haven't, this will change your life forever. It's amazing. You can get it like in these little loaves, but you can also get it um, in, uh, in big loaves that you can do. And uh, I just wanna enjoy it for a moment. Just hold on with me. Oh, just so good. I, the first time I ever had Stella's spicy cheese bread was uh, actually at uh, the farmer's market. They have these big booths. There would always be a long line. So we got in line and we got one of the loaves and it was incredible. But then we found out not too long after that that they actually have it at Metcalf's. Game changer for my family in a bad way because we started having it all the time. Like it seemed like Stella's spicy cheese bread all of a sudden became something you could have with whatever meal you were eating. So if you were having chili, Stella's spicy cheese bread went with it. But then it didn't matter if it was Mexican or Chinese or Italian. It was always Stella's spicy cheese bread along with it. It was so good. I just am a bread lover. And really, I mean, Stella's is incredible, but I just like really any kind of bread. Like I've loved seeing during this COVID season, the way so many people have gotten into bread baking and uh, you know, it's all over social media. In fact, one of my friends actually created an Instagram page just for his uh, baking adventures. Shout out to you, Mo, right now. Um, But uh, I just, I love all kinds of bread. It doesn't matter if it's homemade bread. I like when I go to a a restaurant and they bring out the free bread uh, ahead of the meal. Um, I love like cinnamon rolls from La Brioche and places like that. I just love bread. I could never go on like a low carb diet. Just not gonna be my thing. Um, I love the fact that Jesus, when he prayed, he said, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, really, I'm just trying to be a good Christ follower. You know, so, uh, (laughs) okay, here's the thing. Maybe that's a stretch. But um, when I think about the idea that Jesus not only prayed that we would have bread, but he also referred to himself as bread. Like it was a metaphor that he used for us to understand him more. That's what we are going to look at today. So at home, if you've got a Bible somewhere nearby, go and grab it. We're gonna take a look at John chapter six. That is where we are headed today. We are in week three of a series right now uh, called I Am where we are taking a look at the seven different statements that Jesus made where he, he talked about who he was by saying, I am, and using different word metaphors. You know, there are all kinds of people throughout history 
who have had all sorts of things to say about Jesus and who he was. I get interested at seeing what did Jesus say about himself? What were the things that he wanted us to know about who he is? And so today we're headed towards Jesus when he said, I am the bread of life. And so we're gonna look today at John chapter six. Now, something to know in particular about John chapter six, (laughs) it is a long chapter. There are a ton of verses in John chapter six. In other words, we aren't gonna be able to cover all of it today. We could easily do like a four part series just on John six. So I'm giving you some homework. I'd love for you to do later today or sometime this week, sit down and just read all of John chapter six. It won't take you that long, but, but it's so interesting when we look at it, there are different stories in there that I think oftentimes we hear sermons on them separately, but we don't always stop to look at like how they honestly fit together. And uh, there's a richness that comes when we see the story as a whole. And so that's really what we wanna be able to, to move towards um, is, is, is how does this all fit together? But for the sake of time, I'm just gonna tell some of the story. So the story begins with Jesus and his disciples where they are near a town called Tiberias, which is actually um, kind of in the Southern area of the Sea of Galilee. And they were just outside of this particular city. And, uh, and as they were outside of the city, they went up into the mountainside to spend some time together. This is full on into Jesus' ministry at this time. And so um, he's doing all kinds of teaching and word has gotten out that he is performing miracles, he's healing people. And so everywhere that he goes now, there's a crowd of people that just sort of follow him everywhere that he goes. Lo and behold, as he is on the mountainside spending time with his disciples, a crowd shows up of thousands of people. And this is one of those, this is one of those familiar miracles that I think that for many of us we have heard before, where Jesus feeds, it says 5,000. It's the only miracle actually that shows up in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, first four books of the New Testament. And, uh, and so Jesus, you know, he is, he is on the side of this mountain. This crowd shows up. His disciples turn to him and say, we need to send the people away so they can head into other towns and they can get food. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, you feed them. And they don't know what to do in that moment. One of the disciples brings a little boy with a little, you know, lunch. And Jesus takes that lunch, five loaves and two fish, and he feeds everyone. And, and we know back then, the, the, the men were the only ones who were counted in a situation like this. This wasn't including women and children. So in reality, this is probably like, I don't know, modestly 15,000 people. And the food just continues to where there's like 12 basketfuls of food left over afterwards. It was amazing. I would have loved to have been there to see the way that this all went down. So immediately in this particular moment, man, the, um, you know, the crowd is so blown away by this miracle. They want to make Jesus king, like by force. They're just gonna make the decision. And Jesus, this is not why he came. And so he decides he's going up onto the mountain. He's gonna get away from the crowd and go up on the mountain in order to spend time with his father. He sends the disciples down from the mountain range of Tiberias to get into a boat and to sail for the city of Capernaum. Pernum in the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so Jesus goes up onto the mountain, sends his disciples down, gets them into a boat. They sail for Capernaum. Jesus goes up to spend time with his father. 
Then in the middle of the night, Jesus comes down from the mountains and goes to his disciples as they're on their way to Capernaum by walking on the water. Another one of these miracles that lots of us have heard about before. And so it's in that moment, the disciples are afraid. Jesus tells them, no, it's I. When one of the gospels, Peter gets out of the boat, walks to him, begins to sink. Jesus grabs him, they get into the boat. Immediately they're in Capernaum, unbelievable miracle. So now Jesus is with the disciples in Capernaum. And, and, and at that point in the morning, the crowd who was still in Tiberias, they wake up and they're looking for Jesus and they can't find him anywhere. So they decide that the best bet for them is to follow the disciples for Capernaum. So they go ahead, they get into boats and they go from Tiberias now towards Capernaum figuring, well, at some point Jesus is gonna reconnect with his disciples. If we wanna be near Jesus, we might as well go ahead and follow the disciples. And as they get there, well, Jesus is already there. You see the way it's important for us to be able to see the way the pieces of these stories fit together. And that's where we pick things up in verse 25. So take a look in your Bibles at verse 25. Jesus says that, this is what was said. When, when they found him on the other side, that is Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, that is the crowd, Rabbi, when did you get here? See, like they're, they're wondering like, okay, Jesus, we saw you on the other side of the lake and now you're here. Have no idea how you pulled that off. When did you get here? But Jesus knows the reasons why this crowd, why they're looking for him. And so he begins to call them on the carpet in this moment. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. See, Jesus calls them out in this moment. He knows what they are looking for. He knows that they're looking for another meal, another quick fix to the appetite that they have. That's what they're looking for. And so he begins to, this is so classic Jesus, to, 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 to bait them into a conversation about who he is by beginning to talk about eternal food. And, and, and so it, this is really interesting. The crowd, they decide to ask Jesus a question. Which every time I read this, it just makes me laugh. Let's keep going. So the, the, the crowd, they ask him, so, so they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay. Does anyone else like, like think about what's taking place here? See, if we're just reading this story about Jesus when he said, I am the bread of life, we might miss this idea. When we look at the big story, we understand what's taking place. The, the crowd is asking Jesus for a sign to prove that, well, he is like a prophet, kind of like Moses. You know? And so they say, like, what sign can you give us? Now think about what just took place 24 hours ago. They were all on a mountainside in Tiberias where Jesus fed thousands of them with a Lunchable. 
And now 24 hours later, they're asking Jesus, well, yeah, I know, but what sign can you give us? I mean, that's just, let's be honest, that's kind of humorous. And so Jesus in the midst of this moment, I picture him looking at the crowd going, are you kidding me? Do you remember what I did just a day ago? And the crowd again tries to move Jesus towards what it is that they are thinking about. You see, okay, let's pull up to 30,000 feet. This crowd, they are trying to use Jesus to get what they want, free food. But Jesus is trying to help the crowd see that what they think they want isn't what they really want. There is a deeper want for all of them. And the only person they're going to find that in is Jesus by believing in him. And so Jesus in this masterful way begins to move the crowd this direction. He says this, So they've already asked, what sign will you give that we may see and believe you? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You see, now there is, okay, there is all kinds of imagery taking place right now as the crowd and Jesus have talked about this bread from heaven. In order to understand that, we've got to go all the way back like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before to the Old Testament, back to the time where Moses was leading the Israelite people out from under the tyranny and oppression of Egypt towards the promised land. And as they were headed that direction for 40 years, they they wandered in the desert. And so Moses cries out to God as the people are in the desert and God begins to feed the people with bread from heaven. This is all in Exodus chapter 16, if you wanna take a look at it later. So in Exodus 16, there is this, this bread that falls from heaven. It like lands on the ground. It says in the morning it would look like dew and it would dry into these like wafers that the people could take. They could take the amount that they needed for their family and they could make into and bake into bread that they would be able to eat. And they called it manna, which is kind of hilarious because in Hebrew, actually manna means, what is it? (laughs) Like so creative people. Like I picture that conversation as it's happening. The people come out, they see the stuff on the ground and they say, what do we call this stuff on the ground? And (laughs) someone says, well, what is it? And they go, hey, perfect, let's call it that, manna. That's what they ended up calling it. And so the people every day We're given manna from heaven for 40 years as God created, you know, really took care of the needs of the people at that particular time. So, okay, now let's fast forward to this crowd with Jesus. They're still trying to figure out who Jesus is and what they really think about him. And so they're thinking maybe he is a prophet like Moses. Maybe he is here to lead the people. Look at the meal that he gave us just 24 hours ago Maybe he's the one who is going to give us daily bread from heaven. But Jesus is saying something deeper. He's saying, no, no, no. I have not just come to give you bread from heaven. I am the manna from heaven. I am sent by God to be the manna from heaven. You see, Jesus Jesus is trying to help them in this moment to see they have a deeper need, a deeper want a deeper desire, a deeper appetite, that the quick fix of one meal 
is not going to take care of. And so Jesus continues to move this direction. The, the crowd says to him, verse 34, sir, they said, always give us this bread. See, they're still thinking food. Jesus then declared, and this is, this is where we hear it. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never turn away. These words, they were so powerful. And they are so powerful still for us today. Whoever comes to me never go hungry, will never go thirsty. And whoever comes to me, I will never turn away. That was true of the people then. That's still true of us today. And that's a message I think that for many of us, I think that we just need to be reminded of. Because there are, there are people who I have conversations with who they still get this idea that, um, well, that they have to live a particular life in order to earn God's acceptance. There's a certain way they have to live, certain things that they have to do, certain things they have to step away from in order to have God truly accept them and bring them in. Well, what Jesus is saying here is actually quite different than that. You know, I, I talk to people who feel like, man, because of, you know, because of that idea, I have to live a particular life. Matt, God would not want anything ever to do with me because I am just too far gone. I've, I've, I've sinned too much, I've blown it too big. But that's not what this passage is, is saying. Like he is saying it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your, your family of origin. It doesn't matter the amount of times that you've blown it. It doesn't matter the amount of sin that you've done. It doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago. It doesn't matter what you did like this past Friday or Saturday night. Jesus is one who says, whoever comes to me, regardless of their past, regardless of their screw ups, regardless of their mistakes, regardless of their sins, I will never turn away. That is true for all people and that includes you. Well, the crowd, they understood what Jesus was saying to some level <laughs> and it was not sitting well with them. They knew that as Jesus was saying, I am the bread of life, they they knew that he was making claims that he was the son of God. And as he said, whoever comes to me, they knew that he was placing himself on the same level as God. And that did not sit well. A crowd began to grumble. People were saying, wait a minute. Like we know this guy's parents. And so Jesus continues to help them understand. Verse 47, he says this, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. See, Jesus begins to speak way more boldly about what he's saying. He's trying to help this, this crowd understand the, the eternal satisfaction that they need to find that, that, that a temporal meal quick fix is never going to be able to, to fulfill. 
He's helping them to see that when God created us, he created mankind, he created them perfect, but then mankind, they blew it and they sinned. And that's been true of every human being as long as there've been human beings. And so because of us sinning, falling short of God's standards of perfection, it created this chasm between us and God. And so God stepped in and desired to solve that issue by sending his son Jesus as true manna from heaven to be the bread of life for you and for me so that we can find eternal satisfaction by being in right relationship with God again, not by anything that we do. You know, the crowd was asking, what are the works that we must do? Jesus is going, it's not about your works. So many of us ask, what are the works that we need to do in order to be accepted by God? Jesus is saying, it's not about your works. It's about believing in him. In other words, placing your faith in Jesus, his sacrifice of his life to pay the penalty for yours and my sins when he went to the cross, paying for the sin of all mankind so that any of us who believe in him or in other words, place our faith in him that we can have eternal life. We can find eternal satisfaction, not by what we do, but by what he did for us. It is the greatest decision you could ever make. If you have never made that decision, I just wanna encourage you today to take that step, to come to the place of accepting Jesus as your savior, placing your faith, not in you and your works, but in him and his works by what he did for us to open the door for us to be in right relationship with God. There is no greater decision that you could ever make. Okay. What do we see taking place in this whole chapter? Like what, if, if, if we try to summarize this, what does that look like? I think that what John was trying to help people understand as he wrote this is, there is a, there's a difference between temporary needs and eternal needs. The crowd was focused on this, this short-term, quick fix, uh, temporary satisfaction. Jesus was helping them to see that they had a hunger inside of them that was eternal, that could only be satisfied by him. The crowd was focused on this idea of of, of a meal, of food that Jesus could give them. He's the free food guy. Let's make him king. Because then, just like Moses fed the people, even though it was God who fed the people, Jesus can meet our needs in the same way by giving us free food. And Jesus is saying, no, it's so much better than that. The Israelites were focused on their, (laughs) their own appetite, free food. And here's the thing. I think that that for many of us in today's day and age, and we focus on the same thing. We focus on our our temporary appetites. And and, and let's be honest, we we focus on the quick fix. And, And we do that because we live in a world where that's the best that the world has to offer us. You know, like we are inundated. Look, we are inundated every day by the messages that the here and now is the most important thing and the best thing that we can grab onto to uh, satisfy this appetite inside of us. So we move towards the quick fix. And we are told all the time that the things that we have right now 
are the most important things. And the things that we have from the past, they don't do it the way they used to. And so we're sold by this world, like, like all the things that come out that are here and now, that are, that are newer, that are better, that are faster, that are sleeker, because they're better than what we used to have. Look, we all buy into it. <laughs> I, get, I get nailed by it all the time. You know, like, um, like for instance, like my, my Apple Watch that I have, I got it two years ago. And when I got it, it was like the best on the market. It to- like it satisfied me. And, but now it's been two years. <laughs> there have been like two or three generations of new Apple Watches that have come out that are newer and sleeker and faster and have cooler things that they do. And so all of a sudden, this one that I have, like I still like it, but it doesn't satisfy me the way that it used to. You know, like think about it. The things that you have bought new in 2020, there will be new models that come out in 2021, 2022, 2023, to when that time is the here and now, those things that you think satisfy you so well, they won't satisfy you quite as well any longer. I mean, let's be honest, like our basement's full of that stuff. It's full of all kinds of things that we thought would satisfy us that now we don't even think about and they're collecting dust. You know, I mean, even like, okay, even Stella's spicy cheese bread. You know, like when I eat this stuff, man, I love it so much, but I know that after I eat it, like I'm gonna have an appetite for it again. It's not gonna be long before I'm hungry. There is never, look, there has never been a time where I've eaten Stella's spicy cheese bread, eaten enough of it to where I go, you know what? I don't ever have to eat that again. Like I am fully satisfied. I don't think I ever have to have another piece. No, I know that my appetite will come back. We all know this, that this is true of this world. And this is true of like everything it is that we ever step into. Like there is never a meal that we eat, a purchase that we make, an amount of money that we earn, a sexual encounter that we participate in, an amount of notoriety that we gain, an award that we win, a number of TikTok views that we reach, an amount of influence over power that we hold over people, a number of Netflix shows that we watch where we aren't eventually left wanting more. That's the world that we live in. We have a deep hunger that can only be satisfied temporarily by this world. That's the best the world can do. And the thing is, we all know this. But see, for those of us who are Christians, we buy into the idea that Jesus is more. That he offers more than this world can. You know, he, he offers more than this, this quick fix that we focus on so often to satisfy a temporary need that like, if we're all honest, we know is going to come back. It's kind of like this. In a world searching for a quick fix, Jesus offers a satisfaction that sticks. (laughs) Come on. In a world searching for a quick fix, Jesus offers a satisfaction that sticks. He is the only one who can satisfy this deep, need inside of us. He is the only one who can give us an eternal satisfaction that goes beyond the temporary needs of this world. Okay, but can I be just honest for a minute? Do you ever, if you're honest, feel like, well, Jesus, oh, he isn't always that satisfying. 
<laughs> Can I say that out loud? I'm a pastor. You know, like, like there, there are times after like a stressful day or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure you feel the same way where like you get done with a stressful day, you get then to the end of the day and you think like, it's not that you want Jesus. I just want like Netflix to embrace me for a couple hours. And so what do we do in our lives to be able to um, develop more of this appetite for, for Jesus? Well, it really comes back to what are the appetites that we are fostering in our lives? And those appetites are fostered by what we focus on. So my, like my question is, like when it comes to life, like what are the things that you are, what are you focusing on? Like, are you a, are you a political junkie right now? You're just constantly looking at websites and articles and news, all that has to do with the particular party that you land with and you just love reading that stuff. If you are focusing on that, then you are fostering an appetite for politics. Or maybe you are a person you love like home remodeling. That is your thing. You're on Pinterest all the time. You're constantly looking at websites. You have ideas of the things that you want to do to your house. If you are focusing on that, then you are fostering an appetite for home decor. Or maybe for you, it's clothes. You're constantly on different sites looking to see the different fashion that's coming out and all the different stuff and what's newest and what do you need to get rid of from your closet. You focus on that, you're fostering an appetite for fashion. We do this all over the map. It could be sports or entertainment or music or, or money management. Whatever we focus upon, we foster an appetite for. It's the same with Jesus. So let me just say, if right now in this COVID season, I know it's difficult, but if the only time that you are ever spending with Jesus is like an hour or so from the time that we spend time together here during a service, your appetite's probably not gonna be very deep. You know, and, and, and so what are the things that you can do to foster that appetite more? Well, there has never been an easier time to actually be able to find more stuff about how to grow in your relationship with Jesus. I mean, there are incredible books that are out there. There are podcasts you can listen to. There are devotional websites that are set up. You can watch any church right now that you want to on the planet and take everything in it is that they do. There are so many opportunities, but on top of that, here at Blackhawk, we've wanted to try to help you in this process. And so like we have created uh, our, our team has created a reading plan that people from our church are going through. Like where we're going through the gospels together. You can do it in 30 days or 90 days by reading three chapters or one chapter. There's an opportunity to just dive deeper into the word of God and understand the life of Jesus. There's our resources page that has all sorts of, there are different videos up there that help you to see how do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? What does it look like to read the Bible? How do we do that well? There are all sorts of stuff. We have a podcast that we just started that, that, that goes deeper into the sermon every week and also goes into different spiritual practices that you can begin to try and see how they work for you as you spend more time with God. But we know that like spending time with God just by yourself, it, like do you ever find that difficult? Well, join the club. 
And that's why we've created groups upon groups upon groups. We believe in the idea of how important it is for you to connect with other people. And so we, like we still have right now life groups for you pretty much every day of the week that you could get into. We have encounter women's Bible study and men's ministry that you can dive into with larger groups of people. We even have groups that are available. If you're in a place where you're like, I'm just checking this out. I'm not sure what I believe. No problem. We have a group set aside for you where you can get together with other people who we're questioning the reality of Jesus. It was a place where you can safely ask your questions and dive into it with them. But the whole idea is that we foster an appetite on the things that we focus upon. It's important for us to focus on Jesus. But I, okay, I wanna talk to a particular crowd for just a minute because I know for some of you right now, you're going, listen, Metzger, like right now, my focus is just trying to keep my head above water in this season because I am dying on a vine. Like right now, not only am I working full time from home and trying to make that work, but on top of that, I am a teacher's aide for my kids. I am a chef making three meals a day for everyone who is always hungry. I am a maid cleaning up after everyone because everyone is always home. I'm tech support for my entire family who's trying to figure out how to do this life online all on their different schedules. And I am just tr trying to like hold it together before I fall into bed exhausted it every night. Oh, and by the way, yeah, it's Groundhog Day. Every day looks exactly the same as the other. So forgive me, Metzger, if I don't have time to get into a group right now, but my focus is just on trying to hold it together. And if I'm honest, I am empty. <laughs> if you find yourself in that place right now, and we're hearing that story from all kinds of people, and the thing that I want you just to hear in this moment is that, uh, and you're loved by God. He is, he is with you in this time and that he sees your emptiness and, and he's the bread of life. He's the one who desires to fill you right now. And maybe for you in this moment, <laughs> it's just being able to find the moments like maybe for you right now, um, you know, it, it, Psalm 34, uh, eight says, just taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who, who, who find refuge in him. Maybe for you, it's just simply finding those places just to take a taste. Maybe for you, it's, it's going into the, your bathroom for four minutes and locking the door to just be away from the family and just say, God, I need you to feed me right now because I'm on empty. Because here's the thing, we have a God who longs to feed us. And that's possible because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, of him sacrificing himself so that we could be in right relationship with God. You know what's interesting about the end of John 6? People who had been following Jesus started to walk away from him <laughs> because he talked about his body being real food and his flesh being real food, his blood being real drink. You just think 24 hours before they were ready to make him king and now they're ready to walk away from him because they didn't understand what he was saying. But see, for us, we get the opportunity to see the whole story in the gospels. We understand what Jesus was saying about 
sacrificing himself to pay a penalty that you and I could never pay by his body being broken and his blood being shed to pay for your sins and for my sins so that we could be in right relationship with God and be satisfied for all eternity. That's why I love the fact that today we have the chance to take communion together. I'm gonna hand off to Lynn in just a second as she leads us in communion. But before we go there, let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who came into this world to be true manna from heaven, to be the bread of life for us so that we could spend eternity with you, so that you can be the one who satisfies our needs, not just temporally, but eternally. And so God, I ask this week, I ask today, you would help us to lean into that, that we would understand to a greater level how great you are as God. God, help us to spend more time with you, that through that focus, that we might foster more of an appetite, that we might give you more of ourselves and experience more of your goodness that will last on forever and ever. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people, wherever you are said, amen.